Welcome to another episode of Classic Gaming Brothers. I'm Zach. And I'm Seth. And I'm Matt. Hey! <laughs> nice. Matt, Matt's been here the whole time. I have been. That's and that's and we're the classic gaming brothers. We are well, yeah, we're the classic gaming brothers and Matt. And the, Matt. That, that's the name of the show. That's been the name of the show since episode one. No, <laughs> I, uh, I feel like I feel like that's disingenuous to people who are starting to listen to just this episode. Well, I figured they I figured they could piece two two together when it says featuring Matt <laughs> from Maybe. Not So Handy Car Guy, but you know I'll, I'll leave it to the listeners to to figure it out. But yes, we flew Matt out here to our studio, uh, the Sunny Classic Gaming Brothers Studio, Cambridge, Massachusetts. Yeah, Cambridge, our Massachusetts. fair city. Our I've fair never city. flown first class before, so I I really appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Oh, me neither. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like, who's spending the budget? <laughs> we flew. If Mike hears about this, he knows we flew him steerage. <laughs> <laughs> we loaded him into the luggage compartment. Oh, we strapped Theo to the roof of the car. I mean, I, <laughs> to we the, to the... Theo in. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, we we can't talk about expenses. <laughs> so yes, yes, we are we are joined today by uh, Matt of Not So Handy Car Guy. Matt is a, a YouTuber who uh, I'm going to try to accurately describe your show. Go for um, it. You review cars and, and other kind of driving-related topics. I mean, he's done everything from, I know you did a review of the Porsche 981 Boxster. You do, like, essentials for road trip. You reviewed a 1999 Toyota Corolla in, like, 2019. My favorite. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, I mean, it's a workhorse. Yeah, it's a workhorse. <laughs> I, you're like a variety car YouTuber. Is it, would that be like an accurate way of describing it? I'd say you pretty much hit the nail on the head with that one, Zach. Yeah, everything under the sun, and maybe not to my benefit. <laughs> I think if I narrowed it down a little farther, uh, I'd get more of a consistent crowd. But, I mean, doesn't really pique my interest doing like one type of video for every single video. So, I'm liking what I'm doing so far. It's kind of like nice. a, a Seth and I do with our podcast. If we probably focused Ooh, yeah. on something, we'd, we'd like not get out of the park, but then we do topics on like... The Apple Pippin, the video game <laughs> system that sold under like twenty thousand units. Forty thousand, wasn't it? Yeah, so same deal. <laughs> same deal. Yeah, I think I think that's fun. Like variety is like the spice of life, but when it comes to like YouTube metrics and algorithms, you need to be very like specific to like be in like a certain niche kind of market. Like I know, um, I've actually recently been watching. Uh, Chris Fix it, which I'm sure you. Chris Fix, hey guys, Chris, Chris Fix, Fix here. It. Yeah, so like, ob- obviously, a very big YouTuber in the the, the car space, but he does like a very specific thing, right? And and you know what you're gonna get when you watch his show. But I feel like doing variety is just more enjoyable. It really is, though. Yeah, every popular YouTuber I can think of, like Hoobie's Garage, does every every episode is just an update on his Hoopty Fleet, pretty much, and then Tavares does expensive supercar rebuilds and uh you know ed bullion from VinWiki does his uh sit down interviews with people and tell car stories and me i'm all over the place from the 99 corolla to the 2014 boxster you know so i don't know it's <laughs> it's fun <laughs> don't get me wrong one of the things i like about your videos matt is kind of the uh, it's it's both the the combination of i think your personality that you bring to it but also your expertise that you have with cars and just the the filmmaking element to it right for those who might not know i went to film school fitchburg state university matt joined me in that venture (laughs) (laughs) we we both we both graduated from that school with a film degree um so you know it it, i I definitely see that that raw talent we are communications media and i have no skill in communications so i don't know how i got a degree but i do appreciate that though zach thank you (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's uh it is super fun. And what's what's really cool is that uh just a, 2 weeks ago or so, I had my first track day experience. So I actually brought out my car onto Thompson Speedway in Connecticut and uh drove around the track um you know as fast as I could, you know, find the limits of my car. So I guess kind of plays in today's topic, right? Yeah, it does. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. Nice segue there. So we we brought Matt on because uh he is a car youtuber and seth and i are video gamers so we wanted to talk about car video games the place where they collide but as as we get started with tradition 
we talk about our recently played games. And uh, Matt, what games have you been recently playing? Oh boy, you put me first. Um, okay, so the two most recent games I've played. So my dad, actually, he just turned 61 and uh, my mom got him a PS4 for his birthday. This guy has never played video games in his life. Um, so you know how that's going to go. Uh, I, being the car guy, I am. Uh, I got him two racing games. I got him the Sonic equivalent to Mario Kart. And I also got him uh, the Need for Speed Hot Pursuit, uh, the remastered version. And I've been playing those two. Uh, he gets frustrated pretty easily with uh, the controls and stuff. Um, he's played like N64 in the past and is very simple compared to the PS4 controls. But it is really fun being able to do multiplayer with him, even if, you know, I whip his butt nine times out of ten. <laughs> you know? Oh, that's How awesome. about you guys? Well, I've recently been playing, actually, it's a modification of the original Doom called Blade of Agony. It's a uh, set in the Wolfenstein world. So if you're familiar with Wolfenstein, it's World War II killing Nazis. But this is like a really heavily modified version of the original Doom. It features like weather settings, updated AI, uh, stealth features. Uh, it's just like all the stuff you would ever want in Doom in Doom. So it's really impressive, but it's, it's been a great game to play. Really fun to try out. It's free, which is always um, probably the best thing is when something is free. Um, it's also has creator of Doom, John Romero's stamp of approval. He tweeted. That's how I found out about it is he tweeted about it. And he was like, you guys got to try this. It's like the best game ever. And knowing the creator of, of the game was like, hey (laughs) try out this thing that changes my game on a fundamental basis you know that's kind of a nice little seal of approval i think so stupid question here doom is that with dwayne the rock johnson that is that's the movie has dwayne the rock johnson (laughs) okay (laughs) all of doom has dwayne the rock johnson now it does okay (laughs) no uh yes doom doom is the the movie was doom was with dwayne the rock johnson um it is a a first person shooter that came out in the 90s yes um where the graphics are all very like 2d even though it's like it's like a 3d game but all the graphics look flat and this like adds in like 3d models it adds like lighting stuff that wasn't possible back in the 90s they added that in yeah seth what about you so recently i've actually also been playing a mod on a game oh nice and that game that i've been playing is portal reloaded so portal reloaded was community made and was done by a group or person goes by the name of portanus where they modified the game and added 25 brand new puzzles portal if you are unaware works with your the player who is known as chell gets a gun that can shoot a portal and so if you left click it shoots like an orange portal And then if you right click, it shoots a blue portal and then you can walk through the portal. And that's kind of so you have to solve like physics and different type of puzzles by using these this portal combination. So sometimes you need to use momentum or stuff because you need to set up like a puzzle on the ceiling, like a portal on the ceiling and a portal on the floor. So then you can fall through the portals to continue to get speed. And it's sometimes really trippy. So what this game did was add a third portal. And that was a time portal. So now you could go 20 years into the future as well as go spatially all around. So it's like a four dimensional puzzle. I played it. It's pretty tough. I got through three or four puzzles and then I kind of got like hung up on something. But it's really good. It really sticks to the portal, the whole portal mythos and the whole portal like experience. And they did a great job. If you own Portal 2, you can get the game for free. And you can just download it. And it's a free mod for the game. Definitely worth it. It's great if you're a fan of Portal. Uh, go grab it and check it out. Because it is 100% worth the the time. And the uh, it's like a true, true, just like expansion pack to Portal 2. Which is a great game. And, and Valve is just very slow at making games. So that's why we haven't seen it. So uh, today... Uh, like I mentioned earlier, we got Matt on from Not So Handy Car Guy, so he's going to talk to us a bit about cars and racing, and uh, we're going to talk about racing games. So um, we got a couple questions for you, Matt. I figured we'd while we have you, we'd we'd ask some questions. Sure, go for it. Now you you are definitely a fan of cars. I mean, that is your yeah. Little they're stick. okay. It's like the same amount that we're fans of video games. <laughs> yeah, it's like, like whatever. You, you you like cars probably the same way we like yeah. video games. 
what got you into cars originally all right so well you know how you start developing memories at like three yeah mm. I, one of my first memories is just me in the bathtub with a like a ton of cars in front of me <laughs> so I, I don't know I don't know what it was. Maybe I was a, a, a mechanic in my past life or something. But no, I've always been into cars, um, as far as I can remember, at least. And uh, my parents kind of thought it was annoying growing up because I'm always trying to convince them, like, hey, you should trade in, uh, you know, your Honda Odyssey for this Mustang that just came out in 05. I'm like, it's it's okay. We don't need the legroom in the back, guys. We can we can make it work. We'll tow the camper with this Mustang. It'll be fine. That and, like, I was making videos and stuff, like, which translated to my film career too making videos and stuff in my parents cars in their driveways i always get so mad at me uh and now look who's laughing uh i have a youtube channel uh about cars and i get to sit in and drive some sweet cars we did the alfa romeo 4c out in vegas sam and i did and we did uh the porsche 981 boxster and the florida keys and just a bunch of other cool cars and i've gotten to meet some really influential people from youtube too and i'm just loving this youtube stuff if i could make a living this way i would be so happy so that's the ultimate goal is to do that just make money off this and people do it it's just a matter of getting to that point and figuring out uh, all the nuances and stuff with youtube and the algorithm and all that garbage so i'm sure you guys know about that now i have a question so i like toys collectibles action figures legos all that kind of stuff i i've not only do i I have like like a like of the product i have like a love of the brands so because at the end of the day i'm a marketer by trade so i really love branding and stories and the toy branding and stuff like that just like drives me wild i love all that kind of stuff so question are you a hot wheels guy or a matchbox <laughs> guy is the real question i don't discriminate man <laughs> i guess i'm not that into branding i always say like a real car enthusiast loves the love of cars rather than like one specific brand. It does not discriminate, you know? They just appreciate the enthusiasm that everyone else shares towards cars, you know? Does that make sense? Hot Wheels. Hot Wheels. Totally. <laughs> Hot Wheels. Did you did you want that Hot Wheels computer that came out, the blue one with the flames? Oh no. I definitely remember that. It was a Barbies and a Hot Wheels one. It was blue with the flames oh, and a yeah. CRT. Yeah, I don't know. I was going through a Barbie phase then, so I kind of maybe I missed that. So, <laughs> so like, I, I mean, you kind of you kind of went over it, but um, what what gave you the idea of doing a car review channel? I like you know I went to school for film, and uh, I right out of school I got a job in TV. I was producing a TV show on NBC Sports, uh, a fishing show, and I love making pieces like that for TV. It just fishing is just not my thing. So nothing against that job or those guys. It was super fun, but I wanted to put my kind of filmmaking skills towards something that I had more interest in. Uh, And YouTube, I was my own boss um, and I could really let my personality, whatever that may be, kind of shine through my work on YouTube. And um, I don't know, right now it just seems like a really good fit for the stuff I want to create. People recognize that too on YouTube. They recognize that I can be myself. And as time goes on, I'm slowly growing an audience that kind of likes my sense of humor, which is very, you know, acquired taste. (laughs) But, you know, as it goes on. Yeah, exactly. Just like coffee or IPA. My sense of humor is bitter at first, but then, you know, your body starts to get used to it. (laughs) Sounds like a New Englander. (laughs) I'm definitely a New Englander dude, all right? Probably the the question you probably get a lot. What's your dream car? Dream car. I don't have one. I don't have one, Zach. I have a couple cars that I would love in my garage. I love uh, the GT350Rs um, with the flat plane crank V8. Those are are awesome. They make glorious sounds. I've always been an Aston Martin fan uh, with their six liter V12s, which is basically two Ford Taurus engines welded together, and they make a very interesting sound. And I love my GTI. Don't get me wrong. I love my GTI, and I'm I'm putting a lot of work into it too, like a couple grand in the next week, and I'm gonna make a, a better track car too. So I'm gonna take it back on the track nice. and see how that goes too. No, I love all cars. I do. All cars offered something. <laughs> you know, you just have to look for it. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Zach, what is what is your dream car? Uh, Toyota Camry. <laughs> I've had oh, two so far. Those are sexy. That's your dream car? When I'm dreaming, that's the car that I have. <laughs> See, I have two classes of dream cars. I have like the dream car that I wouldn't take anywhere, and I have a dream car that would be my daily driver. The dream car that I wouldn't take anywhere would be a Lotus. What kind? Whichever one is the <laughs> nicest. Let's go with the Lotus, uh, the Lotus Avaya. Yeah, sounds good. It's a sleek. Do the doors open fun? Yeah, they do. <laughs> they really do. Yeah, that's then that'd be it. And then for a daily driver, it would be a Porsche Boxster. I actually really like the... Oh. Uh, 
the boxer. I, in fact, have Subaru Crosstrek, so that's like Porsche boxer. It is. Yeah, you got that boxer engine. There you <laughs> yeah, go. Low that's center the gravity. only thing that they have in common. <laughs> that's, yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and the head gasket failures, that too. <laughs> well, I lease, so I don't have to worry okay, about that. Okay, that's good. That's good. That's good. So you've reviewed a ton of cars, and there is there any car that was your least favorite that you've test drove? Like, any that maybe someone will look at and be like, that's going to be a sick car to drive, but you got behind the wheel and you're like, this is not, this is not what I expected. No, I mean, there's some cars that are like average cars. I like driving those the best because, I don't know, I just get to be like ruthless with them. I did a, a Mitsubishi Outlander review, and the thing was just, I was not impressed whatsoever. And this this video yeah, it has a lot of views, but it also has, I think, a 37% approval rate. Uh, <laughs> so they were like, this dude's such a douchebag. I'm like, no, I was just literally, this is my first impression with any Mitsubishi ever. I'm a clean slate. I'm obviously not biased because, I've never driven one before. And I just gave my, anyway, that and uh, the Jeep people. The Jeep people are a, a whole other breed of car people. I love all car people except for Jeep people. Um, <laughs> so the, the the Jeep Grand Cherokee WK, uh, my, my girlfriend's father had one. And this thing was just a pile of freaking carcinogenic plastic that would just heat up in the sun and i did a very negative review on this thing and oh my god let me tell you I, people i can't even like tell you the comments i got because this would be flagged anyway those are those are my favorite kind of things to do because i love just pointing out all the negative things in cars but also balancing it out with some positive things too and that's actually very important to do in videos um especially yeah. um actually you know what you should lead with the positive things first and then end with the negatives that's what yes that's what you should do because all the haters they'll watch about 30 seconds and then leave a negative comment and leave so <laughs> the first 30 seconds or minute or whatever is uh is your time to make a good impression with them in my initial correspondence to you i did mention a couple or you rather mentioned a couple of uh titles that you were familiar with you mentioned in terms of video games you mentioned need for speed underground 2 need for speed carbon excite truck uh, mario kart so uh, do you remember i guess the first racing game that you played as a kid yeah, I guess I do actually. It was it was Mario Kart on N sixty four. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Good. Yep. Yep. I remember my my sister. I was you know we were all really young when N sixty four first came out. My sisters got me into that, so I'm thankful for that. That was pretty sweet. Oh, and Pokemon Snap too on N sixty four. That was a yeah, good one, yeah, <laughs> but not a racing game. Yeah. But uh, no, I mean, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're moving. Yeah, no, it's true. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> You're racing uh, at your own pace. Yeah. And then I remember after that, it must have been, um, well, Hot Pursuit 2 came out in what, oh, 02, I think, something like that. Had that on GameCube. And then Need for Speed Underground came out, I think, in 03, something like that. And um, those were both influenced by the Fast and Furious franchise too yeah definitely you can see the influence of those movies and the whole kind of tuner scene uh in underground but yeah especially in underground and then need for Speed underground was there underground 2 i think and then there was most wanted then there was carbon i i blame need for speed underground for my obsession in high school and college with the toyota celica dude yes i actually have that in my notes right here i'm like that's one of the coolest things and it makes it super relatable too is that it had, they had celicas honda civics i think they had a ford yeah. focus people who actually drive these cars are like oh my god i can race this thing through the city this is freaking awesome I, I really wanted a, a toyota celica as a high schooler early college i was like i want a yellow toyota celica with purple underlights and that's like my that, that was my dream <laughs> that car <is> so 2002 <laughs> don't be ashamed <laughs> i played a lot of it at other people's houses it was just yes like, they're like oh we're just gonna play a racing game i was like this game is amazing yeah. and oh and don't forget the little john soundtrack in the background oh yeah oh yeah zach just remembered i have two favorite cars in video games toyota celica yeah, two artists <laughs> yes perfect so my two favorite cars in video games at least the ones i've played were um in hot pursuit 2 which is the mercedes clk i've just i don't know they're super super cool looking and, and very rare in real life so in order to you know actually play that in a video game was pretty cool and then the other one is in uh, carbon and it's the alfa romeo brera and i just i don't know what it was about that i just thought it was really neat like it felt exotic they made it sound and, and feel as exotic as it 
really was in real life. So anyway, those are my two favorite cars in uh, the video games I played. Nice. One of my favorite cars in a video game I played was the VW Beetle. Hey. <laughs> Mostly because you can flip the car in the game really Stop. easily. If you, if you get enough speed, if you hit like a corner, the car will just spin. <laughs> it's hilarious. <laughs> and speaking of game physics, I mean, as someone who reviews cars and knows cars, do you ever find yourself like overly critical when you're playing a game and if the card isn't accurately portrayed or just doesn't feel right maybe like even doesn't sound right when you're when you're playing the game you brought up a bunch of good points and this actually brings me to my top three things that i dislike about racing games if you're ready for that oh are you ready for that yeah absolutely yeah sure yeah brace yourself always ready for everything okay all right number one i don't like uh how when you go off road like right off the track it slows you down instantly Um, that's not real if in real life you go pretty much just as fast except uh it's bumpier and you have like a third of the grip (laughs) so that's number one number two is um i really dislike it when they don't use real engine or exhaust sounds of the actual cars that you're driving and like I, i totally get the logistical limitations of this you know having having to spend days getting exhaust sounds just for this one game of uh you know modified cars like taking all the modifications into consideration if you do an exhaust system on there like an intake or a supercharger or something that being said if if a video game company ever wanted to hire me to do the sound design i would sound design the shit out of that game like it would be so yeah. much fun just to get all the sound effects for these cars but i don't know just kind of devalues and cheapens the game if it doesn't sound like it would in real life to me at least um the third thing is uh, I hate how like slow and unrealistic the steering is in a lot of these games. And Zach, I'm sure, um, have you ever been on, on the highway going like 70 miles an hour and just completely turned your steering wheel to one side? If you did that on the highway, if you just jolted your steering wheel all the way to the left, you would oh, yeah, be yeah. super dead. You know, you'd be like really dead. And in these games, like you can be going 130 miles an hour. And then steer the joystick all the way to the left or the right or whatever. And the car just kind of gradually glides in that in that gentle motion to the left or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And the other thing is, is that most of these games don't really take into consideration the drivetrain orientations of their cars. For for example, my GTI is front-wheel drive, and a front-wheel drive car behaves completely differently on a track than a rear-wheel drive car does. With front-wheel drive or all-wheel drive, you tend to get understeer on the track through the turns as you drive as your as your drive wheels uh, are also doing the steering and as well as putting the power down to the ground uh, and it gets more difficult to kind of rotate the back of the car out of the turn with front engine rear wheel drive cars like a classic sports car like a Mazda Miata or a Corvette Mustang something like that um you get that back to kind of rotate out because your rear wheels are being driven and it kind of pushes the back as you're coming out of the turn there um and so you get oversteer uh and I'm sure you've experienced this while drifting uh the Walmart sharp shopping carts <laughs> right around the uh, electronic section there <laughs> yeah so the the rear end tends to slide out um when there's too much power added to it anyway the, my point is that this stuff makes a difference to a player whether it's like conscious or subconscious it just makes it either more realistic or unrealistic in that regard i think i mean i'm not a car guy i'm also That's why I'm here really it's okay yeah exactly i'm not also like not a gun guy but i feel like it's very similar to probably how like gun people probably feel playing video games with guns in them they're probably like oh this doesn't even make the right sound sort of deal and that can i I understand that can really take away from an experience if the game is designed to attract an audience of people interested in the topic and it does it wrong (laughs) then it's not doing its job Uh, like a topic i like like classic games from the 80s if there was a if there was like a movie or something about that and it got something wrong i mean it would be noticeable to me because i I'm an interest I'm interested in that topic and that's if they're trying to pull in that audience they're already kind of losing that audience right so I, yeah. I definitely can understand that exactly a- and like in film school remember they they were they kept telling us um just write about what you know because if you try and write about something that you don't know people are going to see through it you know yeah it's yeah. just like video games too if, if you're going to be working on a car video game you bring in car people like genuine car people to help you out or something like that to make it as authentic as you can for those car people who want to play the game which i think like if you look at car games that came out like this year versus car games that came out in the 1990s i think you could see that that's happened mostly because i feel like as the budget for these games have gotten bigger and bigger and bigger they can hire 
afford engineers to come down and like walk them through something or you know they can hire guys like pit crew people or whoever they need to do in regards to a specific game and to get that specific subject matter expert to come in and but those people are expensive and especially like if you're like oh i'm a subject matter expert on formula one racing i guarantee you that guy's gonna cost or that gal's gonna cost a hundred thousand bucks you know just like it's because they're like oh i do other things and it's just like oh you want me to consult on your game yeah you're gonna pay for it maybe not a hundred thousand but it's you know some games definitely probably get by by the fact that they do a lot of work with the car companies now because those games now act as free advertisement for those car companies so like for example um one of the forza games had a for a 2017 ford gt on the cover because of a deal that they did with ford because ford was like hey we will help you give you money toward this game but you gotta put us on the cover <laughs> you know mm-hmm. like yeah, we yeah. gotta be there yeah. I, I think seth has a point i think and and matt would be the expert on this but probably some modern games still have the problems that some older ones did have but i do think that most of the ones that have come out and released recently have at least tried somewhat to get it right and obviously they can't always get it right which is unfortunate and it does i think take away from the overall appeal of these games especially for people like matt and people that are fans of cars but at the same time i think that they they definitely did a better job than they're doing they did in the 90s oh i completely agree and it's it's exciting too i was uh recently watching a video snippet from the alleged new need for speed game coming out that was pushed back another year or two whatever Uh, it looks really promising too because you can totally tell that there's some genuine car people involved with the design of the game it was a super quick clip that i saw on youtube but uh this from what i saw the detail of the cars look like really fantastic and they had um another issue is a lot of them are, are kind of straying away from like the modification element of cars in these games. Uh, and they're just having, you know, like exotic supercars. Uh, and there you go. That's like, you know, plug and play kind of uh, you choose your car and drive. But no, in, in the trailer for this or the snippet that I saw, they had uh, a Nissan 180SX and it was like completely customized alongside of a Porsche GT3 RS uh yeah, and yeah. That, yeah it, it, so they have both, and I think that's really cool because as a, a car person, <laughs> there's something way cooler about making like a slow car fast than just buying a fast car and keeping it stock, you know? Right, and I right, think that's yeah, also yeah. what draws us to the game is, is being able to, to customize these cars and actually put our like hearts into them, you know what I'm saying? Kind of like I'm doing my car now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, what I think is cool about racing games is that they are one of the oldest forms of arcade games, right? So even before video arcade games, there were racing games. I mean, there were mechanical games in the 1900s. There was a car racing game that was popular in British amusement arcades in the 1930s that was a mechanical-based game. There were also mechanical games up until the 70s. One title called the driver which matt i think you'll think this is cool used a 16 millimeter film projection as the like road that you were on so you you it projected a 16 millimeter film that you would you would sit in front of and you would have to like react in time that's meant to work yeah it was cool so you had stuff like that and, and um really the last successful mechanical game was Atari did uh, a mechanical game called F1 in 1976, which, as the name implies, involved F1 racing cars. Now, Atari also introduced us to the first arcade video game with Grand Track Co. That came out in 74. It was a stand-up arcade machine, used a steering wheel, had an accelerator, brake pedal, and a gear stick. The graphics were very limited. They were black and white. And it was top down and very, very blocky looking. Definitely not realistic, I would say, in terms of effects. But um, really, it would pave the way for what became the godfather of the modern racing game, Pole Position. Pole Position, when it was sold in, in the arcade, used a sitting cabinet, kind of similar to how we see modern racing games. Also, the view for Pole Position was third person, I guess you could say, behind the car which um, would kind of get used pretty much for games to this day, right? So even games like the most recent Forza has a setting, you could put yourself third person behind the car. That That is something that is a standard that came from pole position. I guess we, we got a bit around the bush, you know, we can't really, can't really forget that there really are two types of racing arcade games. There's kart racers, like Mario Kart, 
And there's the simulation racers, which are kind of the more realistic style games. So, you know, Matt talked about Mario Kart. We'll talk about Mario Kart a little later, too. But it's um, those are more of a different kind of style of game than what something like Gran Turismo is, right? And I also feel like in, there's an in-between where it's maybe not like I feel like the extreme of kart racing is Mario Kart. Yeah. But I feel like you could have arcadey style games right. that aren't necessarily the kind of cartoony aspect or fun, like the style of Mario Kart. Because there's other kart racers out there that are similar in style to Mario Kart, since Mario Kart's a very successful franchise. But I feel like there is stuff that's like that, and that's more of like those party games. But then you have also like these arcadey style games where they try to use realistic cars, but the controls aren't necessarily the most true controls. The physics may be a little yeah. off. Maybe like, like Midtown Madness is an example of that right the cars are all real cars they exist but the physics are not real physics and so you can end up doing weird stuff with your car uh, crazy taxi is another yes one. i love that game yeah the kind of games where you're doing like 90 or 100 and you crank the wheel and you just kind of like glide around the corner <laughs> right right where where i feel like maybe the gran turismos or the forzas are trying to be a little more as, as accurate as possible not only for the cars that they are themselves but also the physics of the cars because i think physics and in a car game is probably the most important mechanic in a car game that you're playing beyond like the racing component because at the end of the day like the car game itself you're going to be doing some sort of challenge with your car whether that be racing stunts maybe crashing into each other like burnout or what have you you're going to be doing time trials checkpoints some manner of combination such as that and in order to accomplish that you're you're moving this this box essentially that's you know looks like a car and it's got different physics and those physics play into how the game plays now kart racers are often what people associate as kid-friendly games where the characters are often famous like mario or sonic and the games usually feature some types of power-ups that offer ways to change up the gameplay which is important in any racing game you need to change up your gameplay or have a mechanic that is uh, sticks long enough so that you entertain the players longer than 10 minutes because honestly especially for car people i feel like if a car racing game is not interesting you're just gonna go drive your car <laughs> <laughs> you'd, you'd right? think that's... except you can get in trouble pretty quick <laughs> yes that's true Dude, i threw a banana out the window once at princess peach um she died. Uh, so <laughs> let me tell you. 35 car pile up on 84 caused by a banana. Oh, you remember that? And, and the physics for kart racers are usually not based on any real world physics and also may change based on the vehicle. Mm -hmm. In Based on the vehicle in the game, you may have different physics within the game. Each car may have different physics, like Bowser may have different physics than Mario. Simulation racers, uh, on the contrary, are more grounded in reality. They may have fantastical elements in terms of maps, but often the games utilize cars that actually exist. So sometimes this is done through sponsorship or licensing of the car designs though some games will use fictional car companies to pretend to be because they don't want to license the name of the, the actual car game to represent the real cars like for example a game like GTA 5 which is not a racing game but has a lot of car elements right. to it yeah. may do something where they make up fake names for their cars because they have other things that they need to pay for that's not licensing the name Ford to be used in their game they've got you know like shootings and bank robberies and all sorts of drug hikes heists and all sorts of stuff that they need to pay for beyond just car names so they may make a car that looks like a ferrari but then call it an infernus <laughs> is that for they real? get is away with I believe the infernus does look like a uh, a ferrari and uh it is a it is uh, the infernus is one of the cars that you can get they're uh, they're they actually gta is really bad yeah. when it comes to lining the name up almost you could pretty much identify the car based on how it looks and how it what its name is you can pretty much match back and be like oh that's you know that's actually supposed to be a Subaru or that's supposed to be a Ferrari. Whenever I play GTA, I, I always get 
<laughs> it's so funny because I, I I can pick out cars pretty pretty well like on the road. I look at them in this game and I'm like, oh, that's definitely a Hummer. And then it drives past me. And it's like a Toyota 4Runner from the back. So it's like <laughs> yes, it's, yes. these Frankenstein that's cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because like whatever. I also think it's fun that I've learned while doing some research for this podcast that certain arcade games had licenses, but when they ported them to home consoles, they lost the license for the home consoles. So then they would have to change everything about the game, but still keep it be the same game. And we could actually talk about that as we get into our one of our first most popular titles, probably one of the greatest racing games known to man, and that is Cruisin' USA. Cruisin' USA was originally developed by Eugene Jarvis, and he worked over at Midway Games, who our friends also did NBA Jam, and one of our upcoming episodes. Cruising USA was released in North American markets in 1994, and the first in the Cruising series was, as as evident by me talking about it, Cruising USA. They there would be two sequels, uh, two Cruising USA released shortly after Cruising USA, and that would be Cruising the World and Cruising Exotica. They all started in arcades, and then they all were migrated to the N64. The arcade versions of these games do really well. Cruising USA, Cruising World, Cruising Exotica were all commercially successful arcades and really were appreciated by the game reviewers of the time, stating that really what Cruising USA was is what Sega should have done with the Outrun series that Sega was producing. However, the N64 versions of these games were not so highly praised. The game, the Cruising USA, there was uh, reviews that the game had jerky frame rate and bad collision detection. However, Cruising USA was commercially successful still, even though it was poorly reviewed and was the sixth best-selling video game of the 1996 Christmas shopping nice. season, which is fun because the N64 had very little games on, in 1996. And I remember this as, as a child. Everyone had a copy of Cruising USA, and I don't think it was because everyone liked car racing games. It was just because there were five or six games available on the N64 and Cruise USA was one of them. And so people would just buy Cruise in the USA. And the N64 had a very small library of games at the time. And so then people rolled in and they got the first game and maybe they liked it. So then they got Cruise in the World, Cruise in Exotica. Um, though Cruise in the World was actually delayed, was released in arcades around 96, which was when the N64 version of Cruise in the USA came out. But there was a lag of about two years before it was uh, released to the N64 because the company was like, yeah, we screwed up with Cruising USA. We feel like it's not a perfect port of the of the game. So we're going to make a more perfect port with Cruising World. Uh, and then Cruising Exotica was released in 99 for the arcades, though this time in Cruising Exotica, you could get a pin to be able to track your progress through the arcade system, which was kind of cool. So if you got to a certain map and unlocked certain maps, you get a pin and then you go home, you'd come back to the arcade and you can continue your cruising Exotica game from where you left off. Similar to another game in arcades at the time, San Francisco Rush 2049, probably the greatest game ever given to us, had a similar system in place. They did make some minor tweaks when they ported the Cruising Exotica game to the home console in 2000, and it was like they they hit some cars, they so had to unlock them, and so on and so forth. Very minor. Uh, however, still received similar critique where the first 10 minutes were good, and then it got old for an extended playtime. Uh, Cruising Exotica was also released for the Game Boy Color, which is a choice. <laughs> I'm sure it was a great looking game with the Game Boy Color. So Midway eventually departed the arcade business and Eugene Jarvis departed Midway. And what uh, Eugene ended up going to do was he started a game called uh, a company called Raw Thrills. Now, Raw Thrills released an arcade game for the movie Fast and the Furious. Oh. And it was the Fast and the Furious game. So if you've ever played the Fast and the Furious game in the arcades, that was a Eugene Jarvis cruising Eugene. game dude i always forget that fast and the furious had a game similar to how i always forget that need for speed had a movie oh my god <laughs> <laughs> we can make a whole podcast just on that 
The fun thing that I learned, though, was they lost the license when they ported it to the Wii. So then it just became cruising on the Wii. And they had to go through and replace all of the licensed cars and characters and everything throughout the game to make it generic so that they could put it out onto the into the system into the world they also uh raw thrills also released uh, a game in 2017 called cruising blast so if you're a fan of the cruising series it's still limping along i guess (laughs) (laughs) i also wanted to talk a little bit about san francisco rush 2049 the greatest game that was ever gifted to us single-handedly and out of all the racing games that have ever come out san francisco rush 2049 is a very accurate and a very represented game i 100 recommend playing it it is part of the rush series of games it started with which started out with extreme racing and then rush to extreme racing usa and then the final these were all set in san francisco the after san francisco rush 2049 they had another game that took place in la however this game san francisco rush 2049 is a part stunt race game which is probably the best part regular racing modes and then a battle arena and the arcade version uh had it so that you can chain up to eight arcade cabinets together though primarily when the arcades purchase them they would buy them in sets of two because nobody's going to dedicate eight spaces on a wall because that's i'm gonna guess let's say an arcade cabinet is probably like two and a half feet wide maybe that would get rowdy real quick yeah it's like here's 12 feet of one game (laughs) go ahead i would love that though that'd be so cool yeah imagine walking into like a bar and it's just one game that's just been chained around the entire bar (laughs) yeah there's there's just one pizza place in in wareham uh down on set mark anthony's have you ever been there either you i think yeah i think so yeah yeah and they have um i think that's uh, four of the uh, Cruising USA's. To go back to Cruising USA for a moment, that was one of the first racing games where you can change the music. Serious, huh? Yeah. Oh. So that, that one of the first first games where in the arcade you can push the button and change the music. Uh, San Francisco Rush 2049, however, did in their home version of the game also included stunt wings in the car. So if you flew, you could activate stunt wings. So then you can do tricks while in the air, which you could not do in the arcade or in real life. Uh, or yeah, that's <laughs> uh, yeah, I tried that once, didn't work out. <laughs> the cars in Rush 2049 Drive the Future were amazing, in my opinion. In they just put like rockets on the back of cars. It was just, it's, it's a Now joy. that in it's, real life, Bob Lazar, you heard of him? He puts rockets on cars, gets it done. It's 2021 now. So he's got 28 more years to get Here to be go. where San Francisco rushed 2049. He's is. on his way. Yeah, he's on his way. It's right. When I was a child, I had a friend. Well, I still have a friend and his name is also Matt. Matt is also a car guy and I played a number of all the racing games that I played and also the first time I ever played Grand Theft Auto, thanks to Matt, was at his house because he had the PlayStation and the N64. So I would go over and we would inevitably play racing games because I liked video games a lot so I was okay with playing whatever and Matt really liked racing stuff and cars so we we would play racing games because I would be over and I would have no real compuncture about what we were playing. But I always liked the more I, I would say the more fun racing games where they were arcadey and i could crash things so like burnout and and rush 2049 and cruising the usa like i like the smashing into things more than i like the actual racing and matt liked the actual racing so sometimes we would play like gran turismo which is very boring when it comes to crashing <laughs> and so i would just whenever we started a race turn my car around and drive <laughs> backwards so then i could crash in gran turismo because if you slam into a car going, whatever, 70 miles an hour, 80 miles an hour, it's going to cause some damage. So I was always Matt's wingman when it came to helping him beat the computers because I was too incompetent to actually play. I see good friend points go to you right now. Yeah, right. Yes. Yeah, for real. Good, Sacrificing good your life, points. you paid the ultimate price. You, if you've ever been to Seekonk Speedway, by the way, that's exactly what they do in real life. <laughs> they turn around and just go back. Yeah, they actually do that. It's, it's fantastic. I suggest going. I will go to Seekonk Speedway. It is there. best $25 you ever spend and you gotta get the chicken fingers too so i i don't have enough i don't have a ton of experience with these kind of like what do you call it like bridge games that kind of bridge the gap between surrealism and realism yeah oh yeah yeah like arcadey games i don't have a ton of experience with them but i i do have one negative experience is when I had uh, Hot Pursuit and I had Carbon. I had Most Wanted and all those kind of trying to make them as realistic as possible. Um, yeah. And then I got, uh, I think it was Need for Speed Nitro for, for Wii. I think it was just on Wii and um, 
like one of the portable consoles as well. And and it was it was they tried making one of those kind of arcade games, but also blending it with the realism. And I remember being so disappointed too, because like they had one of my favorite cars, and they had they had the Dodge Challenger that just came out and so excited for that and then all of a sudden it it just like everything was so blocky and all the graphics were just like they're trying to mimic pretty much um an arcade game and i wonder if that was to save on development costs what do you guys think i wouldn't be surprised if what ea was trying to do was be like hey we need to tap into this mario kart market somehow and we need to put out a need for speed that can beat mario kart so let's try to do that and it didn't happen spoiler it. alert it didn't <laughs> it did not happen <laughs> i think they were definitely trying to get like me right the casual racing fan versus the hardcore racing fan or the hardcore person person who actually cares about cars to go for it definitely didn't do that no i think it just missed the mark dude like coming from need for speed like you think it's going to be this realistic like really cool graphics and i remember um carbon had some of like the the best graphics pretty much for the time in my opinion at least uh for racing games yeah uh, and-, and then this came out and i expected it to build on top of that because i had no idea you know what it was about pretty much and I, i'm being so disappointed too I mean, I, I would be too. I mean, the thing about Need for Speed is it is it is the racing game, right? Right. I mean, when someone says racing game, I think of two things. I think of Mario Kart, and then I think of Need for Speed. Boom. I, there's like no other games that I think about. But Need for Speed was this quintessential racing game. I mean, when it first came out, it was back in 94, and it was, I think, really what like people realized, oh, this is like what I want in a car game. I want to be able to tune my car the way that I want to tune it or to be able to drive a car that is a real car and not just something that like is made for the game situation. Um, so I think I, I can see when when this one came out, the Need for Speed, the Nitro, there was probably a big disconnect where people were like, well, it's Need for Speed, but it's not Need for Speed. <laughs> it's just like the wrong kind of game. I'm just reading some stuff on Need for Speed Nitro and the highest praise that it received was Need for Speed Nitro doesn't do anything remarkable. <laughs> That's the highest praise. <laughs> so, it's so when that's your when, when that's your highest praise, you're uh, probably not doing so hot. Dude, I remember bringing it home from Walmart. I was so excited to try this thing out. And... <laughs> I was so disappointed. Oh my god! I, I think I played it once. I, I, I would be too. I mean, and Need for Speed, I think, is it's, it's such an interesting franchise. I mean, it's been around for it started out in '94. It was originally on a system no one played, the yeah. Panasonic 3DO. It was brought over to the PC, and then it was brought over to the PlayStation, and that's where it got its stride. Right. So when when people played Need for Speed for the first time, they either played it on the PC. Or they played it on the PlayStation. Those were the two ones that sold the best. Also, something I never realized until I was doing research for this episode. Need for Speed's first original title was Road and Track Presents The Need for Speed. Because it was actually done in collaboration with Road and Track Magazine. Um, so in order for EA to get realistic elements in the game that they wanted i mean they wanted the cars to sound right they wanted the cars to look right they wanted the cars to feel right and the way they did that was they actually said to road and track hey help us with this game i mean we'll put your name on the game if need be but we want this game to be a car game we want this game to feel like something for car fans and and they they helped and, and yeah it, it, i think that was a great decision on their part and yeah need for speed it's one of the best selling game franchises of all time um they they've sold over 150 million units uh, across their entire series and like i mentioned it got turned into a film and they have their own line of hot wheel branded toys <laughs> so uh it, and it can we talk a- about how uh aaron paul from breaking bad was the lead in the need for speed movie yeah <laughs> yes he was yes he was <laughs> oh, that was a weird movie it was i enjoyed it for the most part because like all their yeah. uh like racing movies like that are kind of b-rated and this was like a kind of a b-plus movie so <laughs> well as your special guest uh, i would like to ask you a few questions um seth let's start with you what are the top things that you love to see in racing games? Top number one's got to be Toyota Celicas. Oh, of course. Uh, and probably as much destruction as possible. And then probably a really good, like, so I really like a customizable car, but I don't like it to be too 
customizable. So like I was really a big fan of so if you ever played the Road Rash games for the Sega Genesis, which are racing games, they're just motorcycle racing games. I haven't. So so there's Road Rash Road Rash 1, Road Rash 2, and Road Rash 3. They're motorcycle racing games where you race various motorcycles and they're amazing. You can beat people up while you're racing, which is, of course, why I'm like all excited about that. <laughs> oh, yeah. But they, don't you can you can use chains? You can use, yeah, you can use chains. At one point in time, the police will come after you. Very like um, animated, like uh, 2D graphics because it's on the Sega Genesis, but it's like sprite based. So it does look, it looks pretty good. But they have like a motorcycle selector and you can like kind of buy your motorcycle. You can't really tweak it, but I just always was in love with like how you could go and buy your, like you could save up money and go and buy your motorcycle and you can flip through the different colors and changes them. And I always like that. I don't particularly need to have a lot of like, like custom tuning especially like i'm not the guy like who plays grand theft auto 5 to like go in and like do all the custom tuning i go to the garage i do like whatever the bare minimum the quest requires me to do and then i move on because i like rate like i like racing i like the like the thrill of it but i don't but i'm like i'm like i don't particularly yeah. need to that features there kind of so. for that uh for that niche group of people who actually really are into that stuff zach how about you <laughs> what do you love to see in racing games your top few things. I mean, I'm 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 really into map design when it comes to racing games. So like when you get those middle ground between a kart racer and a simulation game, um, I really like over the top maps. In particular, um, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the pod racing Star Wars game that that was a racing game. But the like map design were just over the top, like flipping upside down in the middle of the track randomly, stuff like that. <laughs> I really like ridiculous things. But when it comes to like a real realism game i mean i think when i look at a game like forza or i look like a, I look at a game like need for speed i like a lot of parts of the game but i don't necessarily always understand parts of the game so like i'm looking at the ways to customize things and sometimes i'm like i don't get what this does but i'm gonna max it out and see what happens <laughs> so i think it would be cool to have kind of a happy middle ground where customization maybe is a little more friendly for people like me who may be not familiar with it maybe even just like a little snippet that's like hey if you increase that your car will crash a lot so don't do that <laughs> like just simple things like that would be nice <laughs> you know mm -hmm. just a little little blurb that's just like like mechanic says don't do this to your car it will break <laughs> you exactly know? comma stop <laughs> yeah hey no <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. What about you? I'd love to see like realistic damage to the car, especially like in heavy impacts there. And I think that these details kind of <laughs> help your brain think that the game is realistic. You know, if you crash into a guardrail during 30, uh, it's going to do some damage. If you crash into oncoming traffic going 130, both your car and uh, the unfortunate teenage girls on the other side of the road and daddy's Jeep are going to be unrecognizably mangled. Another thing I... <laughs> I love exotic locations. So one of my uh, favorite things about Excite Truck that was on Wii, even though like it kind of bridged the gap between like surrealism and realistic games, uh, was that you could race in pretty much every continent. Um, and 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 the fact that I actually I, I played the beta version of Excite Truck and gave feedback to the um, developers in like. 2006 i was in sixth grade oh, cool. and they gave us like a discount when we first came out and so we, we got that my parents got xi truck and i was like hey i actually helped kind of ish develop this game give feedback on us beta tester but driving cars in like exotic locations is is totally one of my favorite things to do uh like i said we did the alfa romeo in las vegas and the porsche down the florida keys uh did the tesla in in, in charlotte and uh, that's just super fun to, to do that i feel like it takes the whole like driving another car to the next level when you're in yeah. a location like that. I also love to see in these games like ob obscure cars. So, I mean, not everyone drives a McLaren F1. Um, pretty much nobody drives a McLaren F1. <laughs> they're, they're like $8 million now. So, but you can see them in games. What I like to see is like in the Need for Speed games in the early 2000s, like we saw the Celicas, we saw the Ford Tauruses, we saw the Honda Civics. So normal cars that people can seriously relate to. And it, it makes that game much more personable like that. I'd love to see a GTI like my car in a game. I don't know that there is one, but uh, that'd be super cool. And I would probably buy the game just because that car is in there. You know what? We need more. We need more Toyota Camrys in, in our games. <laughs> I think we do. We really do. And Sienna's too. And Sienna's. Yeah. That's what, I mean, I, I, 
one of my favorite games that I played as a child was Midtown Madness, um, which was this PC game that added open world driving and stuff to racing games, which was awesome. So there was this whole mode in it called Cruise Mode. It just allowed you to drive around the city. In the first game, it was Chicago. And in the second game, it's San Francisco and London. But what's what's cool about it is that the cars were just like cars. Like it wasn't like, yeah, you had you had your like Roadster or something like that, which was this like classic 1960s mm, yeah. car. But then you also had like, you had like the like a city bus <laughs> and like <laughs> and the VW Beetle <laughs> like the new one. What is it with so, the Beetles, w- man? <laughs> Wasn't the v- the VW Beetle? I believe was predominantly placed in Midtown Madness two. Yeah, because it was a I think car. it was a licensed car. Yeah, yeah, I think one of the one of the cars was just like a sedan. Like, <laughs> like it was great. I mean, just drive around like your mom's car and crash it into things. It was fantastic. When you talked about damage, I mean, I was thinking of like the Forza games. I know, I think in the first one they kind of introduced the idea of realistic damage, but I think it added more to like the later games. My understanding, I, I haven't played the Forza games, but I think when you crash your car it will actually affect performance. So if you hit certain parts of your car, then that part of the car is now damaged. So it's going to affect how you drive. So like if you hit the right side, you're going to damage your wheels probably. And that will cause your car to have some listing. Um, You know, so it's, it's, I think there's definitely ways to expand on that, especially with like crumple physics where you could like, yeah, if you could, if you wrap your car around a telephone pole, you probably won't drive it away very far. I would love to see that car just completely just (laughs) like an accordion. That'd be, so cool yeah. to see <laughs> i don't think any it's, game's done that so far maybe burnout isn't isn't there a mode in one of the burnout games where it's just like drive into traffic and that's it there is a mode in burnout that is make the most damage collateral damage cause the biggest accident that you can by causing the most collateral yeah. damage and it's usually like you drive full speed into just like oncoming traffic and yeah and oh, you have to time it right so you can like hit it so that like you flip into certain other people and you explode it's great you just rack up millions of dollars of damage it's very good for those people who like crashes burnout is a good series to do that so um matt before we transition over to our by weight pass segment where we're just going to talk about games that we're excited about buying waiting or passing on is there any like final thoughts that you have about about racing games about cars anything like that i don't know this has kind of gotten me thinking more about racing games and i haven't thought about them in a little while too i mean i said my dad has that console the ps4 and right now we have a we have a wii (laughs) that is not (laughs) functional so it's like the only time i play video game is when i go up to my dad's place so I don't know. This kind of makes me want to get back into it a little bit. I feel like uh, keep looking out for the new games, and I'm I'm obviously I'm a huge fan of Need for Speed, so I'm gonna keep looking out for that game too, even though they keep pushing it back. So, but yeah, I think this has been kind of cool, and I'm I'm definitely more interested in this. So, thank you for revitalizing my interests. What Seth and I like to do best is we like to crank up the nostalgia so that then you desire to play the old games that you haven't played in forever. So mm-hmm. you go and dust off that Wii and put in need for speed nitro and remember all the pain that it cost you <laughs> we we love talking about games in ways that makes you want to go back and play them and then when you do you realize it's just not the same <laughs> it's, just, it's just it's just it's no longer nostalgia it's only no- regret with that we're going to look into the future of potential regret and talk about games that we are excited about buying waiting or passing on so matt you went first last time you'll go first this time is there any game that's upcoming that you're excited about playing um yeah. or not excited about playing i mean it doesn't matter yeah i was looking at because i was kind of trying to prep for this uh i was looking at all the upcoming games and stuff and i'm uh, like i said i'm definitely excited for the new need for speed i want to see how good they get it pretty much uh how realistic it can be because that's what they're aiming for is trying to be the most realistic as possible and i'm also very excited for the gran turismo too so I'm going to look at both of those and kind of keep an eye on them and see when they're going to come out. Nice. Yeah. I'm going to go next because mine's on theme. Right. The game that I am looking forward to is actually a game I just found out about today called World Racing 95, which has the best title ever. It's developed and published by a guy, guy or a company. I'm not sure. The name is Ollie Taylor. I'm not sure if that's a person or a very nicely named company. <laughs> uh, I could have looked it up, but I didn't. Uh, so World Racing 95, is a, it's designed to look like the 1990s 3D racing games. So 
similar to virtual racing the graphics are very blocky it's solid colors it just looks retro and i love that i mean i love retro style games that are done in modern engines and that's what this looks like it's trying to do it's supposed to be a multiplayer game with up to four people locally so you can sit around your tv plug in four controllers and play it that's the kind of game i want to try that's the kind of game i want to look at so i'm going to put it down as i'll put it down as a buy i said i was going to put it down as a wait in my notes but i'm lying i'll probably put it Ooh. down as a buy and uh maybe seth and i will give it a try next extra life when we do some live streaming there you go so completely on brand to this episode theme the game that i'm excited about buying waiting or passing on is pelagos rise of greece <laughs> oh, wow. which is being developed by cerberus which is a fun I think I feel like Cerberus is actually developing it like the three headed dog. It's a it's a city building game, so it's gonna primarily take place around um like building up a, a Grecian city. And the goal of uh Cerberus is there they wanna create recreate the retro gaming experience of playing city builders back in like the early two thousand and the nineties for the experience of a modern day game. So there's been a game called Nebuchadnezzar that came out that has also tried to do this. This game looks like it's going with a little more three 3D realistic graphics than Nebuchadnezzar did. Nebuchadnezzar was, was definitely more of the impressions style of the uh, 2D, the art style. This game looks like it's almost like in between Builders of Egypt and Nebuchadnezzar. It looks like an in-between game. So I really enjoy the city builder type games. Uh, I am going to put this down as a... See, I, I put this down as a buy, but I think I'm going to put this down as a wait. I think it's going to be put as down as a wait. The game's coming out in between 2021 and 2022. That's their release window. Window. so hopefully i remember that i like this game and that i want it and i but i but i, I ultimately will probably wait to see you know what the price is when it comes out um how the initial reviews look how people are talking about it i was happy with nebuchadnezzar i felt that they could have done a little bit more for it and they are working on it which i'm also happy about so i also want to make sure that when pelagos releases that it's kind of similar to what i want to be playing also i get into like moods as if anyone who's listened to this podcast for more than like <laughs> 10 episodes realize that i do have like different moods of games that i want to play so sometimes i'm playing like horror games sometimes i'm playing city building games sometimes i'm playing random first person shooters lately i've been playing like puzzler type games so like it's just how my life goes i i just have i feel like an rpg renaissance is coming on but uh <laughs> it's just like it's just how it's just how i go i just like i transition from genre to genre uh so maybe i'll be in a city builder game when it comes out and i'll buy it but ultimately what i'm gonna do is say is a wait but it's if you're interested in uh, a grecian city builder i would check out plagos rise of greece matt's comment though makes me want a chariot game yeah like a chariot like a oh, chariot absolutely, builder racing game? dude chariot yeah. through the streets of la like yeah GTA chariot v. streets of la Ch- chariots chariots underground too <laughs> <laughs> i want to drive a toyota celica in the chariot Stop. game <laughs> so yeah uh matt how can people find you if they want to check out your youtube etc if people want to find me all they gotta do is go online and type in not so handy car guy i should be uh one of the first hundred results that show up so just keep scrolling keep scrolling keep scrolling until you find me um <laughs> on uh yeah so primarily youtube i do have an instagram don't post a ton but uh yeah you can dm me there if you want to talk to me not many people do but you can if you want to i am on insta and youtube and uh facebook is becoming obsolete so how about you guys yeah well wow facebook is becoming obsolete Jeez, that's our primary bread and butter of facebook <laughs> well i'm i'm closing on four thousand subs so <laughs> well so let's say you want to contact us listen to us and support us there's plenty of ways to do that uh first off if you want to contact us you can send us an email to classic gaming brothers at gmail.com uh, or you can go to our website classic gaming brothers.com you can fill out the contact form and that will go to our email um so that's one way to contact us you can also reach out to us via our social media we are on facebook instagram and twitter facebook and instagram are classic gaming brothers twitter is cg brothers pod we're also available on twitch twitch.tv forward slash classic gaming brothers we also have a youtube channel but we don't do anything on it that's also classic gaming brothers so if you want or you what you want to do you can contact not so handy car guy on youtube or instagram and i could message uh, zach for you because i'm friends with him that's right yeah you could also just message matt and he can contact me for some <laughs> it's reason way easier no <laughs> 
than sending an email? <laughs> well, <laughs> some people just don't like email. Uh, That's true. So I don't like email. If you want to uh, listen to us, we're available on all the major podcasting applications out there. Spotify, Amazon, iTunes, Google, etc. So uh, just go on the one you like and check us out. We're available on all of them. Um, and if you want to support us, one of the best ways to do so is just, you know, like, subscribe, rate five stars, do all those things, share it with your friends, uh, follow us on social media, let us know that you like it. And, uh, yeah, send us an email. That's a great way to support us. We also have a store. If you want a t-shirt or a mug, those are available on our store. They have our faces on them, um, drawn by our great, great artist who does all of our artwork for us for a nominal fee. Uh, so, uh, that is yeah, that's the quick, easy way of contacting us, listen to us, and support us. So, Seth, is there anything you would like to add? Don't play games like my brother. And don't play games like my brother. I've been Zach. I've been Seth. And I've been Matt. And we've been the Classic Gaming Brothers and Matt. That's, <laughs> that's right. right. That's right. And, and now we just talk about this, random stuff. Yeah, we just MTV. talk about random stuff that well, makes it sound like this is the better part of the podcast <laughs> and that nobody's paying attention to. Sometimes and we talk then... about this. We only talk about stuff.